Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of No Sports Podcast. It's been a while, you know, we had a little break for Christmas, um, the holidays, Jack went back for his sister's graduation, and um, we're back now that we have a bowl game coming up on Saturday. Today, we're recording this on Thursday. But um, Jack, um, are you excited to be back? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a whirlwind since, I mean, the last time we were really in action with games and stuff like that, I mean... I mean, the last time we saw action from this team in a competition was for the football team was, you know, the ACC championships that we're coming up on a month now from. So, I mean, and a lot has happened to say the least. So, I mean, we're going to talk about that. But, I mean, yeah, it's excited to get back into the swing of things for sure. Yeah, we hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. Um, You know, New Year's is coming up. We just watched the um, end of 2023 Miami just lost another bowl game. <laughs> uh, I'm sure... Uh, I'm not sure if you're watching the end of that game, but um, Miami had a chance. They got the onside kick, but in true Miami fashion, they came up just short. It just it seems like it's a Miami thing where it's they they have a chance and they can't they, they you know they're right at the finish line they just can't cross. So I mean I don't think FSU fans are complaining about that at all. <laughs> no, there's there's one thing you can take solace in is that um, Miami's not in a better spot than Florida State. So there you go, Seminoles fans. <laughs> There you go. Things could always be worse. It could always be Miami. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, on that note, obviously, the last time we talked um, to you guys, we did a seminal script podcast right after the game. Talked about me and Jack were adamant. This team belongs in the playoff. They went undefeated 13-0, ACC champion. Their defense proved to be elite. All moot. You know, um, we could share the morning of we had Jack had a story ready to go. Florida State's in the playoffs. We did not write the alternative. Until about 15 minutes before, when we got calls and be like, this is a real possibility. Um, Jack, just talk about that morning. That was crazy. Yeah, I mean, we, we had, you know, we had two different stories ready to go. And um, uh, we had two different stories ready to go. And uh, I think we were thought we were leaning a little bit more towards the uh, one of them versus the other. We were hearing rumors that they hadn't made it. But you never know with these types of things whether or not it was go- it was going to happen or not. So we were kind of sitting there waiting up to the moment. And then we got to, of course, the college football playoff com- committee did it in the most dramatic way possible, and it came down to the four and five were revealed last. And sure enough, it was Alabama that popped up on that number four spot, and Florida State in the number five, and it just you know turned into absolute chaos for us for the rest of the day. I think me and Essen were expecting a pretty easy day. You know, we were thinking, oh, we're gonna we're gonna write the story, then, you know, maybe do something reactionary, and then um, we'll go out and get dinner and you know have a fun night and then it basically turned into us you know writing the rest of the afternoon based on what had happened what the way people were reacting players were reacting you know the press conference about the orange bowl after you know we were writing stories ranging from like what you know mike norvell was saying all the way to what donald trump and like ron DeSantis were saying it was it was true chaos in its purest form to say the least i don't know if purest is the correct word but it was chaos to say the least no, I think we should set the, you know, we got home from, uh, we were staying in Greensboro, halfway between Cary, North Carolina, and um, Charlotte, North Carolina, just so, we, you know, we were commuting, we were um, commuting between the Women's College Cup and the um, ACC Championship game, so we were in between, one hour in between, so we got back into our hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, you know, went to bed, I think we had both finished our stories at that point, went to bed, um, I woke up because I couldn't sleep, I did a quick story in the morning, but you woke up probably like by eight thirty, nine o'clock, I think. Um, and from that point on, the mo- entire morning, we were just working on different things, you know, just getting stuff pre-written for the st- um, what happens. And 
We worked. I, thought, I think we went to lunch at three o'clock to a burger place that did not serve us right away. We did not get service at all. We were both very hungry, so that was very frustrating. And then came back and did more, you know, the Orange Bowl um, press conference and more work. And finally, we were able to enjoy a little bit. We played a little bit of board games that night in the True Hillsland Hotel. But you know, it was a long day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely long to say the least. And um, you know, that was just the beginning of what you know transpired from all of this as well. You know, you had you know the snub as what it's been called now and will will forever be named in FSU lore as you know most things have nicknames when it comes to games and significant events in you know FSU history but I mean it just transpired into stuff we're still covering up until like days before the kickoff of the Orange Bowl of players just I don't want to spoil too much of what we're going to talk about but like just it transpiring into you know what had happened to players leaving players staying players going and just it's been one decision has really turned this month into something neither me and Essen could have thought of what was going to really happen at all. Yeah, no, um, we'll talk about, let's talk about quickly about the, um, just a snub, you know, because I, I have some thoughts, you have some thoughts. Um, yeah. Um, so let's I'll talk about that quickly and we'll talk about some of the ramifications we got top coming up in a second. But yeah, start off with um, leaving a 13-0 team. Look, if your justifications that the four best teams are in the playoffs – or and that uh you know those four teams are better with with Jordan Travis out like obviously that's a factor. If you say that before, we could live with it. If you your rhetoric matched what you were saying like that you know you think these four teams are better than Florida State so that's why you put Florida State at five. But that doesn't match up with Florida State at five because then are you saying that Georgia's not better than Florida State? Are you saying that Oregon's not better than Florida State? So down so on like if you're gonna say about just forget the records and saying who's the best teams I guess at this point. Then Florida State with Tate Rodmaker at quarterback was probably ten to twelve in that range. If we're gonna be honest, so mm. you know, um, if we're gonna go like by just like that standard, the standards didn't match up. Is what bothered me more than anything else. Is um, they said they're not in the game of projections. Then they project this is what Florida State's gonna look like without Tate Rodmaker. Um, it was just for months and months they, not me months for weeks and weeks they built up this talk of like how they're gonna do everything and they didn't back it up the only thing they backed up was the head-to-head matters when they put texas over alabama because they wanted to get alabama in an sec team in so they put had to put alabama in. they had to put texas in because texas beat alabama but you could argue that georgia who lost by one a field goal to alabama is better in both teams and they couldn't put them in because they head-to-head so it just it's just craziness um they misplayed everything on every turn, and then they got unfortunate as well that Georgia lost to Alabama because I think if Georgia beats Alabama, it's a very, very easy, straightforward, like, you know, four. You have Georgia one, Washington two, Michigan three, and Florida State four. Four undefeated teams, it's easy. It's over. Texas yeah. and Alabama are not even in discussion. So they played it wrong, and they should have been up front with Florida State. Like, hey, without Jordan Travis, we don't think you're a playoff team. Even undefeated, Sorry. Um, but the fact that, like, you know, I think two weeks before they said the Jordan Travis entry does not factor into how they do the rankings, and then all of a sudden it matters, is what's – it's hard to swallow for FSU fans. It's hard to swallow for people who cover FSU. It's hard to – you know, that's the part that doesn't make sense. Jack, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the big thing that I – I mean, like you said, too, nothing really lined up whether – between, like, you know, the justification of everything going on, and it kind of seemed like – I don't want to get too conspiracy theory about everything and stuff like that, but it kind of seemed like they, the committee and 
I don't know. The discussions the ESPN and everyone's having seemed like it kind of wanted FSU out because, you know, you talk about the situations that they're in, stuff like that. Everyone mentioned, well, Jordan Travis was a big reason why FSU <coughs> didn't make it in and stuff like that. And I was – and I'm like, okay, well, if we're going to do – if you're going to go across that knowledge, you should be like, well, Jordan Travis should be um, – you know, he should win the Heisman then. If his team, who is number four, five in the country – they don't make the playoffs after they've won every game because he's not a factor in the game. Well, you're basically saying he's the reason that they're there, so he should be considered you know, the best player in the country that year. And then you see the Heisman results, and he finishes fifth, um, and the guy who wins it is someone that Florida State absolutely dismantled in the beginning of the year. And you talk about you know just the other factors into it as well, I guess, and said, you know, with um, you know, Tate Rodemaker, this is what the team's going to look like without him and with him and stuff like that. And, you know, this team still managed to win things, win games without Travis and Rodemaker. And even without Rodemaker, you know, we saw Glenn in that um, ACC championship game. That was a very, you know, it was a chaotic day, to say the least, of not knowing what Rodemaker's status was um, right up until kickoff. But, um, I mean, Florida State continues to win games. I 100% argue that this is one of the best Prior, I should say, before all of this had happened, this was one of the best defenses in the country. I had seen that Louisville game, the ACC championship, was primarily dictated just to press the way FSU had played their defense. It was just lights out. It was unbelievable the way they played defense. That was the best defensive showing I had seen from them all season. It was just extremely impressive. The offense had its woes, but the defense continued to just give them chance time after time. And, um, you know, it really looked like they were a team that could make it in. And it's – you can say it's biases and stuff like that, whether it be, a, you know, SEC bias or, like, just a slant towards the ACC, which is another thing we can get into. Um, but in the end, you know, Florida State did everything that it needed to do to get in. And it just didn't. And it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It still really doesn't make sense to me. I think Aston could agree that it just it truly doesn't make sense, and the people in charge try to dictate, saying this is why it makes sense, and it makes even less sense if that makes sense. <laughs> um, all of it's just it's insane, and I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again. Hopefully, we don't, but it's it's unfortunate in many aspects of what had happened. No, I mean I'm going to what you said. I think the interesting thing is right there. You know. Um, just um, you saw Greg Sankey, the um, SEC commissioner, petition and um, argue and everything. Nick Saban went on TV and, you know, you saw that happen. But specifically the Greg Sankey thing, you know, um, you saw him petition for the SEC team to make it and he did the right thing. A lot of people – and this might be a popular opinion, so Jack, brace yourself. Um <laughs> I do not blame Jim Phillips for not sticking up for FSU um, because we're going to go to our next point, one of the ramifications of the snub. But um, at the beginning of the season in August, Florida State held a um, board of trustees meeting and talked about how they hated the the ACC, was not a good conference, how they had to get out so badly. Um, They dragged the ACC through the mud. And I think at the end of the day, Jim Phillips had a responsibility to other teams in the conference like, yeah. I'm not going to stick up for them. You know, yeah, sure, they won the ACC. Yeah, sure, it's going to cost us some money as a conference, but why am I going to stick my neck out for a team that's trying to, you know, program that's trying to leave so badly? So I do, I don't blame Greg, thank you, I mean, not Greg, um, Jim Phillips for not defending them, but also at the same time, it's like, 
it doesn't make sense why he didn't talk more. He didn't do anything to stick up for them. I don't know where he's been since. He hasn't made a statement really about saying FSU was the Nats. That's kind of interesting to me. But um, I think that's the the college pl- football snub, also playoff snub, also accelerated the, t- the timeline. Because I think if Florida State's playing for a playoff right now, they are not doing a news dump on a Friday before Christmas because their team's still preparing for the playoff mm-hmm. about, hey, we're holding a board meeting about we're filing a lawsuit in Leon County to um, sue the ACC, which was just a um, – what a day. Friday, I'm like – I'm thinking, you know, we have Tuesday, Thursday practice. We have all this going on. I'm going to do, you know, recruiting. The signing day was just wrapped up. Like I'm going to do a nice feature on Luke Krummenhawk, do superlatives for um, – the signing day and just um call it a week on finish that Friday call it a weekend that don't have to do anything Saturday Sunday Monday I was gonna drive down to Miami anyways um but all that was moot because we had this um big thing and you know Jack got to watch um he was called what did he call it um like um the ACC exit and the um FHSAA um oh, double, the feature? double feature <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was like Barbenheimer, but um, it was more real. Yeah, it was real. It was less interesting and more real. Yes. Well, I mean, it was interesting, I guess, compared to watching a movie. It was pretty intriguing, but I mean, it was more realistic, way more realistic to say the least, unfortunately. Yeah, no, we'll have a podcast another day about what the ACC exit, the lawsuit. Once we have more details, I mean, we're not law experts, so... We can't really talk too much on that, but it right. is interesting. It's worth a podcast. We will talk about it, you know, once we get through the bowl game and um, what's, what happened, what's coming next. But that is a ramification from the college football snub. Um, and they got just a worth pointing out, you know, the other thing, Jack is going to have a story later tonight when we're recording this, um, you know, before it comes out, but at 8 p.m. Wednesday, Thursday, Jack will have a story about, about a listicle about who is in and out? So, Jack, can we talk about that a little bit for Florida State? Because yeah. it's a huge number. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it took me a very long time to write, which is, you know, not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> but, um, it, it, yeah, it's there's there's all different – it's interesting because there's all different categories about this. And it's all different ways that people want to, you know, diagnose this. You know, some people lump this into very large categories of what opting out is and there's smaller ones. I, I tried to break it down a little bit more. You have, you know, the opt-outs that are healthy, which is, you know, everyone at FSU who'd opted out is pretty much healthy right now. You know, Jared Verse, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Gene Bell, and, you know, and more are all healthy players that have declared for the NFL draft. And you have your injured players who, you know, really don't have a choice in opting out. Um, it's Jordan Travis and Lauren Toffoli, um, Lawrence uh, Toffoli, um, you know, they, again, injuries and stuff like that. Uh, if Jordan Travis was still playing, who knows what game they'd be playing in. But anyway, we're not going to get back into that. And then you have all the, uh, you have all the transfers, which I think it's 16, 17 right now from Florida state, um, Georgia. So just to clarify, you know, what is going on with Georgia, Georgia has no healthy opt outs. But when we're talking about injured players, you know, people want to bring up Rock Bowers and talk about him. And he's an opt-out, blah, blah, blah. He's injured. He's been dealing with the ankle injury and stuff like that. He's choosing – he's still injured, but he's choosing to opt out as he's had a nagging ankle injury. The same can be said for Amarius Mims, who is an offensive lineman who they're both predicted right now to declare for the NFL draft. He's injured as well. 
Um, these are two guys who are injured and opting out. Then you have their George's transfers, which I think it might be a little bit of a longer list as well, too. It's just it took me about an hour and a half to maybe two hours to write all this down because it's all about confirming and figuring out what each person has. And it's it's truly it's truly a um, a result of what happens in this new era of college football when teams that are built to get to a national championship round being the college football playoffs don't make it everybody leaves because i don't really think there's a lot of you know i think the guys that are you know getting ready to gear for you know the nfl draft and then there's guys who don't get any playing time or guys that are kind of on the border of being big players and not i it's just there's no really to them i don't want to speak for them too much but just the value of the game has kind of gone down a little bit more so the story kind of it shows you it puts into black and white or whatever colors are on your computer of who is not playing that is essentially what it is and it kind of i know there's been some confusion about that this story will clear all that up yeah I no hope. <laughs> hope so um i mean one of the wrapped outs was obviously um tate rodemaker which um so that happened on we learned about this on 247 had a report mad zenith had a report on monday I was about an hour out from getting to um, my aunt and uncle's house in Parkland, Florida, and uh, I got a text from Jack. He, he's like, um, have you seen the Tate Rodmaker news? Are you working up on it, or, or should I? I'm like, what Rodmaker news? And Jack's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so I made a stop at the um, Fort Pierce um, stop and you know, um, sent a text to um, Tate's dad and tried to get it, um, you know, and um, did hear back eventually that he confirmed that they're opting out, but, you know... Um, think um that was a shock because we had seen that practice tuesday and thursday there's a lot of people upset about it this is my theory i've not gotten um you know confirmation for anyone else but i, I do think tate rodemaker had full intentions of playing i think he got to the game the week the you know the week of the game on christmas and he saw he's like yeah these spots are filling up for quarterbacks in the transfer portal I don't have a spot here in Florida State because they're going after two transfer porter guys, you know, um, DJU and um, Cam Ward. So he said, let me, um, I got to do what's best for myself, enter the portal, and there we go. Um, he opted out, you know, and I, I'm not going to blame him. I think he made the best decision for himself as Florida State's making the best decision for itself about going for another transfer quarterback to lead the team next year. So I don't blame him. It's Blame, don't blame the player, blame the game kind of thing of like, this is where we are in the NIL and transporter era where we need to have regulations and what's going on to before we could say blame the players because it's a wild, wild west out here. If someone offers you more money, if someone offers you something else. And what upside does Tate Rodmaker have playing in the game for a team that, you know, he's not going to be with next year when they have their best offensive weapons opted out? So, right. It's 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 tough. It sucks. It's um, a lot to deal with. It's I, I get why fans are frustrated. They were already you know it's been a tough month for FSU fans. It's been a very tough month. Let's you know football fans I'd say, you know um you start off with winning ACC championship. Well, I just go back to November. Um, mid you know near the end of November you have the Jordan Travis injury. You beat Florida the next week, but then all of a sudden Tate Rodmaker gets a concussion that comes out the next week, and all of a sudden he's out for the Louisville game. You beat Louisville, but then all of a sudden, um, the it falls apart. You know, um, you win seventeen seven, but you don't win by enough. So they're like, yeah, you guys are out. Um, so you have the snub. Then 
right away Mike Norvell and his coaching staff hit the, hit the road for recruiting. I think Mike Norvell said he um, had a team meeting after the snub, and then he had two home in visit in home in in home visits later that day with um, recruits. Um, they hit the recruiting trail. Next week is signing day. You go through signing day, and signing day was you know Florida State signed a great class number nine in the country, but um, they had two five stars to commit. They couldn't commit. Um, convinced Elgin McCray to flip so. It was a good day, but a really rough close. I, you know, I wrote a column about that, and a lot of people were upset about that because they're like, "Oh, but they signed the great class. It's the best under Mike Norvell." I'm like, well, if you want to be an elite program, you still got to do better. That's you know, not saying it's not a good class. It's a really good class. Um, and then you get here, you know, where all of a sudden you're coming up to the game, all these opt outs, and then you get the biggest bombshell of being Tate opting out right, be, you know, the week of the game. So it's been a rough month for Florida State fans. It's been a lot going on. So I get it's frustrating. It's been hard, but you got to support this team. It's still it's still gonna be you know a team that has a lot of talent on the field. Don't want I get you don't want to support ESPN, but you know this team deserves it. Mike Norvell and his coaching staff deserve you know to be in this bowl game. It's a celebration of the season, even if it's even if it's not what you expected it. So it's been a lot, but. That's my pitch for why FSU fans should watch the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they're still going to support the team and stuff like that. It's still going to be a game to watch, and you're getting a look at – I mean, we're getting a true look at what the future could be, you know, next year even um, with just all these young players that are getting um, playing time throughout this game as well. And, you know, a lot of young guys are getting their own chance to um, play and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it you know, we, are, we might see some – some maybe a handful of rookie moments throughout the game and stuff like that, but this is still a chance to see what's next for Florida State. And you know, yeah, as Essen said, you can be petty about ESPN, you can be petty about the snub and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, this is still Florida State playing, and it's you know, it's a chance to see you know what's the next chapter for this program and stuff like that. Um, and you know, possibly you know we could end up seeing a good game. We don't know what we'll, we we don't know what we'll see next, but I mean, you know. It's still a team that you know is you know trying to finish out the season at fourteen and fourteen and zero, and you know, you know if they do win, they kind of do have some grounding to claim a national championship outright, kind of like UCF did. Oh, definitely, I think that's the case. Um, Tom D'Angelo, Palm Beach Post, um, is having out this week. Um, with stuff, he was out there yes- yesterday with me on Wednesday. Um, we we're doing um the offensive coordinators, uh, sorry, offensive coordinator Alex Atkins and a few players, and he asked them, and um, you know. They said a lot of players said they agreed that if they win, they have a claim for national championship. Especially if Michigan, um, Washington lose, um, even if they win, it could be interesting. But you know, you beat a t- especially let's say um, Florida State beats Georgia by a touchdown. Alabama um, and Alabama goes to win the national championship. Alabama has one loss and they beat Georgia by um, you know three points. Florida State could point. Hey, look, we beat them by worse. You know, I think they also beat by LSU by by more points as well. So Florida State would definitely have claim if they, you know, if let's say Alabama wins it all, and the two um, undefeated teams have a loss. So it's a legitimate claim. I'm not sure how it will pan out. I, um, we'll talk get to that later. Later, if we think they have a chance to do that. But um, Jack, what does Florida State need to do to have a chance in this game? Oh God, that's a great question. <laughs> um. um... You just got to play. I think you just got to play simple and you got to play just like football in front of you, honestly. I know there's a lot of new guys in this game that's going to be kind of unexpected. And you have guys 
that are going to be in positions and stuff like that that you know they're not used to. I mean, Jakai Douglas is playing at running back, and I mean, he, I, I did I kind of looked through it today and stuff like that. He's never played in that position. He played in quarterback in high school. He did rush the ball a lot. He's very fast, but um, you know, he's playing in a new position. We got a lot of young guys up at receiver. We got. You know, Zion Holmes is starting at running back and stuff like that. The offense is a little depleted, to say the least. Um, you know, defense is pretty much intact. I guess, you know, just play in front of you and play what – do what you can. Don't – I actually don't risk too much on offense and just do what the defense is giving you. Because a lot of the defense is still pretty much intact. You know, obviously Jared Verse is not going to be there. But, you know, you still have Patrick Payton. Um, you have a lot of good guys that are still there on defense. And, you know, as we saw in the Louisville game, the defense was giving the offense a ton of opportunities throughout the night, opportunity after opportunity. The defense was making up for that gap that the offense had, even in the Louisville game. So I think, you know, if, the de- if they just keep playing what the defense gives them and they don't, you know, they don't push anything too hard on offense, I think they're going to have a good chance at this game. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, don't too, don't too much do too much on offense. Um, kind of make it a low-scoring, ugly game. I think if Florida State wins, it has to be like a 17-7, a 24, or something, something like low-scoring where you're not taking a ton of points. Um, Florida State currently looking at the line as a 19.5-point 19 underdog per bet online. So it doesn't look pretty. Um, you're a three-touchdown underdog, which is funny to see for a team that was so close to the playoffs with so many players opted out. It's been just a whirlwind. It's been interesting. It's been a turned in from a, oh, this is a great team to this. This is like, wow, this is just falling apart. But, you know, you still have a chance to do something, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it should be interesting to say the least. I mean, um, it, could go, it could go many ways, honestly, and stuff like that. Um, you know, FSU was able to, you know, win out in that um, – they were able to win out in that ACC championship game. And, you know, there was many cases where I think we kept seeing the line kept falling and falling and falling and closer um, as we got to get kickoff. I think there was a lot of doubt about if Florida State was going to win that game, and they were able to pull away in that as well. So, I mean, who's to say, you know, the same thing could happen against Georgia? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Georgia obviously has Carson Beck, who has gotten better. Um, his teammates said that Carson Beck has never looked better in practice than he has now. But, you know, Florida State's defense is still t- talented. You have um, Petrell Cypress, who was all ACC last year with Virginia, who's a talented player in his own right. You have a lot of stuff going on, so I think – We'll see what happens. Um, not saying that you know you could right away say Florida State is gonna you know a lot has to go right. There's gonna be you got to win the turnover battle. You can't turn the ball over. You might have to score a special team touchdown or a defensive touchdown. It's got to be an ugly game. It's got to be you got to find other ways to assist your offense. You know, short fields, um, block punt, something. Something's got to give um, defensively or special teams wise to give yourself a chance to make a game-changing play. I'm not sure how that happens, who that happens with. I mean, you know, another thing is with Keon Coleman opting out, you lose your kick returner, you know, your punt returner, it's the main one. Trey Benson, Lawrence Philly did some kick returning. Um, so it just, it's a lot. Florida State's lost. It's a lot they have to go overcome. But if there's a coach that you want to trust, Mike Norvell has, in the past two years, has I don't, I don't remember a game he's gotten blown out as a head coach. So I think... They will, and you know, we've seen this team. They will go compete. They're a claw. They're fighting claw till the end. So that's what you have to give this team. And that's you. They, as long as you stay alive and give yourself a chance, you have a chance. Obviously, it's a cliche, but 
I'm not buying Florida State's chances. We'll get to that in the second with predictions, but yeah, they're you you. That's why you play the game. It's not played on paper. It's not played on in at in Vegas. You know, um, that's where the Vegas Bowl is, guys. Come on, um, but um, there's there's a chance. Not saying there's a high chance, but there's a chance. You never know what happens. So, right, just gotta go play the game and just play, execute, play smart. Don't turn them all over and give yourself a chance. Um. Jack, um, who is someone you think could step up into the world, or did you already mention him when you mentioned that the running back position? I mean, I, I mean, Jakai has. I think Jakai has potential to be, um, you know, a good running back at this game. So, like, just how quick he is and stuff like that. The only, the only hesitancy I have is he is a little bit smaller. Um, granted, running backs don't have to be huge. Um, you know, but you know, Trey Benson is kind of a bigger built guy. Um, you know, Lawrence DeFillo is a little bit bigger built as well too. So I don't think it's gonna be too him too much. I'm gonna, I might say, I think I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna say this for the last time this season because I've said it I think twice before and I've been wrong. And I think I'm just gonna say it again because I think this could be his moment now. I think Kentron Poyater could have a good game this time around because it's his. This is actually like. He, when you look at the depth chart at wide receiver, he is debatably the best receiver there right now. When we're talking about veteran experience and stuff like that, has been there, and you know we saw him have that amazing spring game and stuff like that. And he, you know he just didn't hasn't popped off yet. And everyone was saying this season, oh, this, he's going to be really good this year and stuff like that. And granted, you could put up a little bit on that that Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman have taken up a lot of that spotlight and stuff like that. But at the same time, we saw Jack High Douglas have a huge game against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, the lights, this is Tentron's moment, in my opinion, that he can show up and he have a big game. The thing I'm kind of hesitant on is that Brock has not show, shown he throws the ball a lot just because he's a younger guy. And, um, you know, he has been practicing a lot more. He's been stepping into this role a lot more and stuff like that. And he's had reps and, you know, we could see him throw the ball a lot more in this game as well. But, like... If he can get the ball over to Kentron, I think this could be a big night for him. Uh, I guess, what are you thinking, Essen, about your you know breakout player for this game? Yeah, so do you want to do one offense and one defense, or we just want to do um, one each? Uh, what do you want to do? <laughs> I'll do one, I'll do one of each because I got one on each side. So if you want to look it up quickly, I could do back-to-back. Okay, I'll do your offense, and then I'll get my defense ready. Uh, perfect. Yeah, so I'll go with um, offense. I'll go with the guy who's listed as a backup running back, um, Josh Burrow. Um, you know, he's an athlete. He's got good size. He's been someone that they trust in the receiving game. I mean, obviously he hasn't done much on the field this year, but, um, he is someone that I, I, I've always been like, I'm like, I would like to see this guy get more snaps and play a little bit more. So he's got the size, got like, you know, um, pull up, up quickly. I want to see, he's a player that I think could, you know, surprise some people. Like I'm going somewhere. I'm like, Someone that could be really surprising, a you know, redshirt sophomore from um, Blythewood. Um, so that's going to be 6'2", 216 pounds. So he could give Georgia a little bit of a different look. Um, I could, you know, he's a candidate for that Lawrence Tofilly, um Wildcat role that we could see. <laughs> Obviously, you know, he hasn't done much this year, but his main thing has been staying healthy. If he could stay healthy, you know, I do like him as a potential impact player. Um, this will be his best opportunity to do something at Florida State. Um, you know, let's see. Pull up his bio. He appeared in, um, well, Seminoles.com. The new update is great, but it's hard to deal with sometimes. But um, they played the first nine games. He played nine games last year, um, appeared in two games before that. So he hasn't really, I don't, it doesn't look like he's recorded a stat before, but 
what a perfect time to do that, huh? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So he's someone I don't think that George is going to know a ton about. That could be like, let's throw him out here and let's do this. Um, you know, Defensively, I'm going to go um, a guy who's going to make a season debut, um, Daryl Jackson, who is, you know, a monster. I think me and Jack have harped about how big he is in practice, how imposing of a size he has. So he's someone that's very impressive, very well built, very fast, very agile for his um, size. He is someone, you know, he's fresh. Like, you're at this part of the season where everyone's banged up a little bit. Everyone's dealing with these little dings and, um, you know, little injuries. But here's this guy who hasn't played this year. He's been practicing all year. This is this is going to be his season debut. It's going to be his um, moment he's been waiting for all year, you know, chomping at the bit to get to this opportunity. So he's going to be someone that I've been excited to watch this week. Um, yes, you lose um, Fabian Lovett on the defensive tackle, but you get, um, you know, um, Daryl Jackson back, so I think that's potentially a wash right there. I think that's one position, like, yes, to opt out with Lovett not playing and right decision for him could hurt, but then you have um, a fresh guy who is healthy and ready to go and, like, you know, hungry to play, so I think that could be fun to watch him play. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, um, I'm going to take a guy that I think has been, you know, he's been, he's, been waiting all season for this moment. I'm going to go Daryl Jackson, um, you know, a guy that got his uh, NCAA uh, eligibility waiver de- denied. and He's kind of had to sit there and he's had to watch everything. And, you know, there's been there was so much fighting in the offseason to get him this waiver and pushing and stuff like that. And just to see it denied and then see Tom, uh, I think it's Taz Walker over at North Carolina. He was the other guy that was trying to get the waiver too with him and Jackson. Walker ended up getting his waiver approved and Jackson still didn't. And just kind of sitting there and, you know, wanting that moment and stuff like that. And I think now that that moment's here, that Daryl Jackson finally gets to play, I think we're going to see a huge impact game from him as well. Again, there hasn't been too many losses on the defensive side of the ball when it's come to transfers and opt-outs and stuff like that. But I think, um, you know, and he's not expected to start. Um, I think that it says on the uh, depth chart that Braden Fisk is going to be in this position as well. But obviously I think Norvell is def- more than definitely going to give Daryl Jackson his time, his numbers and stuff like that. But um, – uh yeah, I think I think this is gonna be a huge game for him tonight. Um and it's uh gonna be really not tonight, excuse me. On Saturday, I think because he's waiting for this moment, I think he's gonna have a huge impact there on the line. Yeah, I I, I um did I say Daryl Jackson or did I say what did I say? I said Daryl Jackson, right? I think we both agree Daryl Jackson. Okay, I guess we both agree. <laughs> That's it yeah, it's, I I think it's an obvious one, I think it's a good one. Um Yeah. yeah. Um, Jack, are you ready to um, make a prediction for this one? Yeah, let's go ahead. All right, I'll let you go first. Um, actually, actually, uh, you go first. I, I don't think I, I'm ready just yet. Yeah, I, I you know, not hard <laughs> about this one. I, I want to preface this by saying, you know, I picked Florida State. I did not pick Florida State once this year. You know, Clemson game. I had Clemson winning down the road. Um, that was a close game, but. I'm gonna pick Florida State to lose, and it's not gonna be a close one this time. I have thirty-five Georgia, fourteen Georgia, Florida State. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna lean the same way with you. Um, I I don't think this is gonna be close either. I think Florida State's been just again. I haven't picked similar as us, and I haven't picked Florida State really to lose this entire year as well. Um, this is just a different team now. Um, this is just a different team now and stuff like that, and. 
a lot of it, everything's just kind of changed and stuff like that. And everything's just different with all the players leaving, all the players transferring out, and just the sole impact of that snub has really changed everything with this team. I think this is not going to be close. I'm going 48-20 Georgia over Florida State. Yeah, so we both have them covering, like I mentioned, Bet Online has the line at 19.5. I've seen 19 elsewhere, 16-18. It's um, not looking great for Florida State. Um, A lot of predictions we've seen early on have been against Florida State. And, um, you know, maybe that's all the fodder, all the things that the team needs to, you know, motivation to get them to win the game. Who knows? Um, But... You know, we haven't talked since um, December 3rd to you guys, or December 4th, when we, we did a Seminole script post-game um, for the national champion, um, Jack. What a, fun, yeah, what a fun game that was. Let's talk about a little about that. Oh, I mean, I, I don't think it's anything what, uh, I mean, I don't really think either of us expected what the outcome was going to be in that game. I mean, we saw before what Stanford was doing to BYU the game before, who is a good team. Um, you know, a team that was down uh, 3 nothing to um, UNC in this uh, quarterfinal round and uh, came back against UNC and won, was able to win that game 4-3, coming back and, you know, coming back from a deficit and stuff like that. But at the same time, we've seen Stanford as a team that is one that doesn't allow any goals really at all. I think in the postseason they allowed one goal. Um and I thought it was going to be a really close duel. I thought it was going to be a one nothing result in favor of Florida State, and uh, it's just kind of it was just kind of crazy looking at it. Like, okay, this is this is what it's going to be. And the game before, Stanford scored two quick goals, and BYU could score anything. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be this is going to be a dogfight, and it it truly was not that. I think the final score was um. As incorrectly, if I wrong, if I was wrong, it was six to one, six to two, five to two. I think it was five to one. By the by, the one. Either way, it was nothing. What we either Essen or I could have predicted as well. Florida State just dominated them in the game, and it was the moment that like Florida State's had some fantastic wins this year, and they've been truly a dominant team in some of these games. But this was a game that we really saw them prove that they're a team that deserved to win this national title, and they are a team that. Hands down, whatever you want to say, this is this was the best team in the country this year. They just dominated front to back. They were all over these Stanford players and stuff like that. And it, all of their players, you know, even the ones, you know, you know everyone, you know, Oni Ejikini that we saw, who, you know, she was the uh, ACC Offensive Player of the Year. Jordan Dudley was the Freshman of the Year. You know, you got to talk about uh, Christina Roquet and the goal and just do the job she did. Beata Olsen, you could just go down the list and just – Everyone on the team played their part in that game, and they just absolutely dominated. So yeah, it's a five-one result, and just it was it was a fun night because you know this team worked so hard, and they're finishing their season. It's the first ever time Florida State has finished with a perfect season, playing a full schedule. Um, they had one tie this year to UNC when UNC was number one in the country, and it was just it was just truly crazy and actually like awesome especially after seeing you know what happened you know the day prior with fsu football game the snub it was really great to see that this team finished out as champions and just true just unconquered as you want to if you want to put it that way yeah no i'm sorry for those people that you know watched the game on mute um or (laughs) whatever you guys are doing or didn't watch the game because you know you missed out a great team you should not you know not snub the woman for because the men were snubbed (laughs) Yeah, but um, you know, either way, great team. You know, we got some great interviews after the game. I think it was fun. You know, you talked to um, 
the defensive MVP, um, Lauren Flynn, who is a great person to talk to all the time. Um, we also got, you know, um, Leilani Nesbitt and um, Bayard Olsen and obviously um, um, Penske um, postgame. And then I got to um, the woman who set the game off, you know, with the first goal set the tone for what was just a dominant performance in um, Jordan Dudley, who just calmly walked over, knocked in the PK, and then the route was on after that. Florida State scored, what, 17 seconds later? Something like that, 27 seconds later? Oh, oh it, was a, it was a quick turn. Oh, my God. You, it was – it was you. I think you were still typing up the last goal, and all of a sudden the next goal goes in. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was quick. Yeah, my live update was just like, hey, guys, they have a 2 nothing lead instead of like <laughs> – it was like the, that, um, you know, um, that well, that escalated quickly kind of thing, you know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what Stanford's saying in the sideline. Well, that escalated quickly. Oh no! The game. The uh, it looked like Stanford. You know, still had a little bit of a chance, and all of a sudden, it was completely gone. <laughs> it's like it's like the um, South Park episode. I invested any money in this, and this, and this, and now it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh so, my gosh! No, it was dominant, to say the least. It was a great performance. Um, you know, one the that team. You know, obviously had a heartbreak loss the year before TUNC in the College Cup. They bounce back and do a great job. It's it was a fun team to cover. Um, that was on you know Jack's beat this year. I think um, Beyond Olsen kind of just like you know was get, doing like we asked her what was going through the her mind in the last moments. She's like, can they score four goals in less than a minute? Can they do? Can we <laughs> score again? Like you know, it's just like it was fun to get her pro- thought process of what was going on, what was going through her mind. You know, um, once again, fun team. Brian Pensky, great coach. No one can say this is um you know um. The former coaches team, Mark Kikorian's team anymore. Brian Penske broke through and won a championship. His players, you know, he calls the player team, player led team, and they led the team to a championship. So good for them. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Um, any final thoughts on that, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I, I put out a column on this as well, is that this is Brian Penske's program now, and, you know, you're going to have your people in the comments going off about, um, you know, Gregorian did this and this and that, and I think people were talking about how Gregorian, like, basically set this up for Penske to have and you could argue that in in some ways but really not really considering that Penske you know he really told us in depth what he had to go through and stuff like that and just that when he got there he like there were a lot of transfers out the program once he got there and he had to talk and negotiate with a lot of players about staying and stuff like that to the players that we got after the game uh were players that were here that were recruited by Gregorian but um uh uh, Brett Penske talked to them and was able to convince them to stay. And that was Beata Olson and, um, oh, God. Leilani Nesbeth. Yes, Leilani Nesbeth. And those are two players that, you know, had to be, you know, had to talk a little bit more about staying and stuff like that. And there was other players on the roster as well, too. But then you got to talk about how he rec- recruited the ACC Offensive Player of the Year, Oni Ejikini, to come there. Taylor Huff came from Tennessee. Um, you know, Jordan Dudley, who debatably next year could be the best player in the country and from just what we've seen what she can do so far the recruits coming in as well there i think i got an email today that another tennessee transfer is coming to florida state as well i mean his recruitment efforts have been absolutely phenomenal during this time and this is a national championship team that he built yes he did have to do there are players that Gregorian um recruited to come here and stuff like that but it was penske's effort and this coaching staff's effort that made them want to stay. Yeah, um, I think that's a yeah, great point. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, um, Jordan Dudley was a recruit from that Mark found and brought in that he wanted to bring in. But, um, 
you still got to – we've seen the football and coaching changes when something happens. You still got to go do your job. It's, soccer's no different. You got to go, I mean, uh, close it out and bring finish that in. And he he made sure that, you know, Dudley was not like, I'm going to go somewhere else because this coach is gone now. You know, um, same with, like you mentioned, the players had to bring ta- get out of the transfer portal. Everyone went to the portal as soon as the coaching change was made. But he brought him back in. He convinced him, like, you know, let's stay, see what I could do. And um, he did a great job. Last year was a transition year, obviously, where – he was trying to install his stuff, but not too quickly, so that it would change the culture and everything too quickly. So um, this year, it felt like his team a lot more. Last year, it felt like there was a little bit of a someone watching over his shoulder a little bit. But um, we talked to um, Michael Offord, and he could not be more giddy about his hire of um, you know um, Pensy because it's clearly worked out. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is definitely a, a Michael Alford hire that he you know takes pride in as well, and has done so well um, in bringing here too. So I mean, I, I um, Michael Alford was definitely extremely excited. If any FSU team you know wins any sort of huge game or even a national championship, he's going to be thrilled about it. But just the fact that this was you know you know one of the early hires that uh, Mark, um, excuse me, Michael Alford made, um, you know that just you know that's just another good you know check on his resume. Speaking of um, you know hires made by. Um, Michael Alford. Let's um let's, talk, let's move on to women's basketball a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> they got um two games coming up. It looks like um they play. Is it tomorrow, Jack, against Georgia Tech? Yes, it is tomorrow against Georgia Tech to open up uh, ACC play. And then they have um Wake Forest at home on the third on the thirty first end of the year. So, ACC play is here. This is a t- top twenty five team, number twenty two in the nation. Clearly talented tonight. Lats- Latson is one of the best players in the country. Omar Omar Gordon has turned into a great scorer. They have some great pieces. Um, think, unfortunately, I think um, neither of us can be at the games for the next two games um, to open ACC mm-hmm. play. But we'll jump back into coverage once we get there. You know, once we get back to um, past football. But it's a fun team to watch play. Um, it's gonna be fun. Um, any thoughts on them, Jack? Any updates? Yeah, I mean, this team's a great time, stuff like that, as Essen said. And um, the, uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to catch them in the early part of ACC play. We, um, we should be coming back around when they come to town again. Um, when they play UNC on January 11th, they're playing a lot of games early on here in the schedule. Um, you know, it's just that quick turn from playing Georgia Tech and then Wake Forest, and then they get NC State, who is a top 25 team, um, I think a top 10 team in the country on January 4th. But this is a good team as well. I We still need to see kind of their... Um, you know, the, you talk about playing extremely hard schedule, and they have, and we still are kind of looking for that moment from them of, you know, being able to compete with, you know, a top 10, top 5 team here. And they've, you know, they competed They competed well against Stanford, who is a top 3 team, I think. Um, you know, and then they played UCLA, who is also a top 3 team as well, lost both those games. Um, and, you know, you got to talk about the battle-tested testingness of this team. That's a very strange word to use. <laughs> but, I mean, um they they've been through battle they've been through some great games we saw them beat tennessee at home which is a huge win they beat florida later that week i mean this is a team that's been battle tested and um you know this is the real test that comes here now even though they've been battle tested the real test comes here in conference play because the acc is no slouch i mean georgia tech is still a very solid team even though florida state has dominated them in the past nc state's one of the best teams in the country you know Further down the road, a great game that's coming up in January that a lot of people should show on to that's going to be on ESPN um, is when they play Virginia Tech, who is a, um, I believe, top 15, top 10 team as well. Um, you know, Duke's good this year. Miami's good this year. Notre Dame's good this year. 
um, this is a good conference, and um, this is going to really test them and see if they can be able to pull forward and be one of those teams that could compete for ACC championship. And they have some great players there too. You know, you, you got to continuously talk about uh, Tania Latson and just you know what she does, and it's unbelievable. Um, Amira Gordon, um, you know, just continues to have this unbelievable bounce back season from last year after dealing with injury. She's really proving herself. And one player that's really started to come along in the last few games is Sarah Bajetti. Um, we've been seeing a lot from her lately and her game is starting to pick up a little bit more and she's starting to score a little bit more so i think this is a team that is starting to find its stride a little bit more battle tested early on and um yeah like i said getting a little repetitive here but um we'll see um how much these big games are going to help them going into a conference play now yeah definitely no and that's one of the reasons they play a tougher conference schedule they want to you know non-conference schedule they want to get ready for the rigors of the conference play get ready for a potential run in the ncaa tournament i think um we mentioned it before. I think this team has a ceiling of a Sweet Sixteen, um, you know, um, team. So if they could reach that ceiling, it'd be fun to watch. They would obviously be set up for potential, pl- um, you know, playoff games at home. It's not great fun. Um, they're nine and three, six and one at home, two and zero on the road. So it's a very talented team. I think it's gonna be fun to watch. They're a fun team to watch. Um, explosive offensively. Can be when they put when they're at their best, they could are explosive offensively, can score 100, 120 points, um, and can keep you like 50, 60 points, 80, you know, just play really great defense, move the ball really fast, and score and defend really well. It's a fun team. Um, then we have I don't want to say opposite spectrum because they've had some you know success, but they've had some rough patches as well. They've won back-to-back games now over um, North Florida and um, Winthrop, but Florida State um, men's basketball has been a little bit uneven. But what are they? I think um, six and five now. Won back-to-back games. They're four and two at home. They also have some games coming up this week. Um, who do they play this week? I haven't seen the schedule yet. Yeah, yeah, they play uh, Lipscomb on um, the thirtieth, and then. Um, a week from actually a day less than a week, so six days. They play Georgia Tech at home to open up ACC play as well on January third at seven p.m. Um, I will be driving back from Nashville that day, so I my goal is to make it there by tip off. So um, we will have coverage of that as well. Um, so those are those next two games, and they could have a chance to stitch things together a little bit even more because you know you're playing Lipscomb, who's like you know you know not a power five team and stuff like that's still a little bit more down and yet georgia tech who is the greatest acc team in the world um kind of run into virginia tech a little bit there who's been consistent in years as well after that and then you know they have the chance to stitch some games together here as well so i I guess you know this team is interesting to say the least and lack of a better word so i mean that we could see what happens in those games it could be it could be anything under the sun honestly no, I mean, we've seen everything under the sun already with this team. They yeah. have, you know, they beat Colorado, a very talented Colorado team, to win the um, whatever tournament it was, Jack. I'm not going to remember the name right now. Uh, Sunshine Slam or whatever. Oh, uh, let me see. The, no, 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 that's the other one. Uh, it is, yeah, yeah, it's Sunshine Slam. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, so, you know, great job on that part. But then they have an embarrassing loss to Florida. They blew a huge lead against um who was that against? Uh Georgia. <laughs> Georgia. Um so it's just a lot. Um it's a team that has talent, you know, um Jameer Watkins is fun to watch play. I think we both can say that. 
Um, oh, yeah. Baba Miller has a lot of potential. Um, Spears, has, Primo Spears has come back and has had some good games, um, some interesting games. So it's a team with talent. It's a team that has question marks. It's a team that, if we don't see results soon, we might see different changes as well. Um, but that's a topic for another day. Um, Jack, let's um, get this wrapped up. We're nearing an hour today. Yeah. Um, where can they find us on socials? Yeah, of course. You can find all of our stuff at uh, Null Sports on NullSports.com, um, you know, Null Sports on X, and then Null Sports on Facebook. On Instagram, it's TLH Null Sports as well. My Twitter handle is Jack G. Williams. Essence is S underscore Cassum. Um, yeah, it's pretty much straightforward. Our YouTube channel as well. Um, uh, no sports, uh, THL no sports. If you just type in no sports, it pops up. Um, yeah, feel free to scri- subscribe to that. We're throwing as, as many video interviews and any sort of videos that we're allowed to take because this is a, this is a college beat um, as well. Um, so any sort of video action, action, any sort of video content we get is on there. So subscribe and check us out there. And yeah, subscribe to the Democrat as well. We'll have tons and tons and tons of content coming up because um, the news is changing every day um, on the speed, especially now with this team. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a lot. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure no one's opted out in the time we started this podcast. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw Kalen Deloach put out a letter about um, declaring for the draft. Um, I, I I tried to read it up and down as much as I saw about anything about opting out. I didn't see anything in there, but you know, we have, might have to take a second to read at it again. But um, we always have to keep our eyes on something, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it's always it's constant. It's a it's a fun beat. Love it. Can't complain about it. Um, oh, yeah, it's something else for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, let's pull up his tweet now that you brought it up. Yeah, I DM'd it to you. Um, pull it up quick. Null Nation. Tried to look for the word opt out or orange bowl, and I couldn't find it in there. So, men are coming over. Does not say anything about opt out, but I don't know. Like, if you're put penning that right now before the game, well, actually, never mind. Here we go, Jack. Oh no! No, 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 no! Oh, at the end. Sorry, sorry. Thank you, Florida State, for all heart. The spear, spear. Hashtag one more. Okay. Okay. So, so he's like, oh yeah, duh, it's right there. <laughs> yeah, no, we missed obvious stuff. Don't worry. Oh, uh, this, this, oh my god, this all this cryptic stuff drives me crazy. But yeah, um, thank you guys for listening. Um, please like and subscribe. Um, listen to our podcast, and um, we'll catch you guys later. Yes, thank y'all. <laughs>